0: Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is believe.
1: What up, TCK Podders? Welcome back to the program. I'm your host, Sky Guasco. This is another episode of the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Football Podcast, aka TCK Pod. You can find us anywhere on social medias. You can follow me on Twitter at Sky Guasco, S K Y G U A S C O. On Instagram, Fantasy Football underscore TCK Pod. You can also find us on YouTube. If you're listening back on the podcast right now, please subscribe to us on YouTube, the Candlestick Kids, and leave a comment pertaining to the topic of conversation. Today is episode 399. Next coming up is episode 400. Very, very excited for that. That's going to drop for you Monday morning fresh. So we're going to give you the weekend we're going to build the hype. We're going to drop it for you fresh. Monday morning, have a very, very, very special guest that I'm going to drop for you. At the end of this episode, I'll let you know who it is. Leave a comment below and give me your guesses in the fantasy industry. I'll give you a couple clues. Works for a very prominent fantasy football entity, company. Um, I have mentioned his name on the podcast probably 300 times. And he is one of uh, Bobby and my favorite analysts in the entire industry. So leave a couple uh, comments below. Let us know who you think it is. And at the end of the episode, I will reveal the top secret news of who our 400th episode guest will be for me on Monday. Stay tuned for that. If you have not yet, tune back in episode of 398 and catch my player spotlight. This week for me is going to be the Pittsburgh Steelers wide receiving core. dive deep into the wide receivers. I also bring up what Najee Harris might mean to that because they've had a lack of a run game in the last couple years. Also, Matt Canada comes in as the new OC. How different is that going to be for Big Ben, who's worked with Randy Figner for years? So we'll have uh, all that and more. And Bobby, of course, has a player profile coming up for you as well. This is episode 399. Without any further ado, let's bring in my co-host, Bobby. What's up, my man? Great to have you back, brother. Today, we are talking about Tight ends, tight end draft capital, kind of wrapping in our draft capital series. Two weeks ago, we had running backs. Last week, we had wide receivers. This week, we're doing tight ends. We're also going to dive... We're going to talk rookie tight ends, but rookie tight ends is hard to talk about, A, because there's not many every season. B, they don't usually blossom right away. So we're actually going to morph the conversation a little bit into second, third, and maybe future tight ends and let us know how some of the favorite tight ends we know today, the Travis Kelseys, the George Kittles, the, the uh, Darren Wallers, the Mark Andrews, were they actually productive in year one, even year two, even year three? We'll dive into that a little bit and let you know how the draft capital matters for tight ends and take a look at second and third year tight ends as well to see if we can find some value.
0: Yep. Yeah. Looking forward to it. Listen, I, I did a lot of research on this just based on draft capital, little dynasty stuff. But then I thought we could spin it a little bit because of the research we found that first year tight ends don't necessarily take off. I thought of my, I was like, maybe we could figure out a way to turn this into a redraft focus kind of find some value where do uh where and not necessarily where tight ends peak but where they start taking off is it year two is it year three is it year four I have some data on that from more some more recent players but we're gonna go into a little bit today about my article on com. I'll break down the uh, success rate for tight ends the hit rate for those guys by round but then we're going to talk a little bit about those rookies their situations and maybe for dynasty sense maybe you can find some value later in drafts on some of these tight ends. You know, I know Pat Firemuth is is a bigger name, but Trey McKinney from the, the Chargers is a name that you should monitor just because of the system, because Jared Cook's about well, – I'm not going to give it all away. But that's something we'll talk about in a little bit, and then we'll also talk about some guys in their second, third, and fourth years.
1: And, of course, a lot of uh, fantasy production in general, but especially at a pl- position like 10, it really down- – volume and how much work these guys are actually getting, how many nods they're actually getting, snap share percentage – and are they as a blocker? We've talked about that a lot as a tight end. Not a sexy stat, not something we talk about in fantasy football. But if these kids are productive blockers, it actually increases their chances of being on the field more often. Then they can maybe audible a run play into a pass play. It's another opportunity to maybe get a target there. So, all right, man, let's dive into this year once again. You can find us if you're on YouTube. Make sure to subscribe and leave a comment. Let us know who you think our 400th uh, episode guest will be. And then also please let us know. Maybe let's do least favorite, least favorite top six tight end on ADP right now, and your favorite sleeper tight end. Comment down here in YouTube on Periscope or Facebook if you're following along. Of course, please make sure to follow my man Bobby Lamarco as well on Twitter at his name Bobby Lamarco. You can follow me on Twitter as well at SkyGuasco. All right, man. I've had a quite a breathy um, intro. <laughs> I'm gonna kind of I'm gonna kind of turn it over to you here for a little bit and dive into this year. Let's go with tight end draft capital and second, third year tight end success. Take it away.
0: Yeah. So let's talk first about draft capital. And one of the things that I've been doing research on is by round to show, you know, where do do we find value? Where do guys become fantasy relevant? And where's the benchmarks that, so the hit rate I use for tight ends today is 6.5 points per game. Now I know that doesn't sound like a lot. And typically on average um, for a consistent uh, tight end, it's about seven and a half, eight points per game. That's your typical fantasy season. But when we're looking at career success, what I realized right away is, number one, rookie seasons are so bad, I'm talking like under five points, that it really drags down a lot of players. Um, for example, guys like Dallas Goddard, Noah Fance, TJ Hawkinson, would have not even made an eight-points-per-game point, eight benchmark because they had such slow rookie years. So I did lower just a little bit, but pretty much across the board, you'd be surprised that a lot of players don't even hit that 6.5 benchmark but there's some veterans there too that that fall right between that 6.5 and 7 range, like Eric Ebron and Colt and Kobe Fleener from back in the day um, that even Tyler Eifert's a good example of guys who've had good years, Um, maybe not been the most consistent fantasy guys, but overall that 6.5 and half point PPR benchmark is what I used. And I also will talk a little bit about eight points per game, the elite tight ends and a little bit about, you know, who falls into that category as well. So, if you go to football.rasbel.com, you will see my, my article. And I break this all down for you if you want to see it visually. But just to show you now, we, what I did is I broke it down by round drafted, similar to wide receivers and running backs. Then it's total tight ends drafted. Career points per game, 6.5 is the one I use for this benchmark. And percent hit rate is the number of uh, tight ends who were drafted over the last 10 years that hit that benchmark. Now, as you can see, this drop-off is insane. It's absolutely crazy. Um, The hit rate for tight ends in first round is is very good. It's at 75%. Um, Some of the guys that did not hit are like Hayden Hurst and David Njoku. Um, Hayden Hurst is an interesting one, obviously, because Mark Andrews ended up emerging. Um, And then he moved to Atlanta, and he had a solid year. He did hit the benchmark this year. But, of course, now Kyle Pitts is in town. So Hayden Hurst is a free agent, and he might be someone we talk about at a later time, maybe like a dynasty trash bag. Uh, of guys that you could tr- take off for free, essentially. But he's actually one of them. And David Njoku, um, I think a lot of people, he was pretty excited about him, first-round pick. He didn't hit. Um, and then they brought in Austin Hooper. So David Njoku is also going to be a free agent, too, this year. So the other guy that has first-round pedigree is a freak athlete. But as you can see, those are the only two guys in the last 10 years that did not hit in the first round. Um, so that's that's an interesting stat. But also keep in mind, this is a lower benchmark. Um, of 6.5 when we talk a little bit later about the higher benchmark you'll see the numbers kind of flatline a little bit and I'll explain explain why but then you see the huge drop off after that right so that's drops down to 28 percent then 17 percent and then it kind of flatlines the rest of the way so when I look at this it tells me number one Kyle Pitts is probably a lock to be good I think we're okay with that I think in dynasty that's why I talk constantly about Kyle Pitts he might arguably be my 101 I mean between the quarterback situation for the next two years Obviously, we don't know what Matt Ryan's going to look like in three years from now if they're going to have a new quarterback. I understand that. But Arthur Smith trading away Julio, being in there with Calvin Ridley. Kyle Pitts, to me, with his draft capital, tells me I know he's going to be good, but the question is how good. I think he's definitely worth that, maybe even a top-two pick in a standard dynasty league. Um, by standard, I mean non-superflex, whatever, half-point PPR. Then really after that, I'm not really that excited. I mean, Pat Firemuth is the only other guy that was drafted – Uh, In the top two rounds, it was Pat Firemuth in the second round. And he went to a good spot maybe 10 years ago. I mean, now with Big Ben on his last leg, the real question is what's the long term future of the quarterback position? Is Dwayne Hassan's gonna, the light bulb gonna go off and maybe he becomes first round pedigree, good backup, and then he becomes the starter next year? Don't know. But that team has a boatload of talent behind. Uh, on the wide receiver position with Deontay Johnson and both Chase Claypool are there for the long-term. They also have Juju and James Washington for this year. So Pat Firemuth to me is kind of where I don't even know how much I'm willing, interested to draft him at all. Maybe even the top three rounds of a a dynasty league. Um, And he's completely off the radar for me in redraft because of Eric Ebron being there, of course. And then the final, I just want to touch quickly on some of the other guys too. So, One of the things that um, I was looking at, too, is these third-round tight ends, Um, the Hunter Longs, Tommy Trimble for the Panthers, and Trey McKinney for the Chargers. These guys are all interesting to me because of their situations, could really open up next year. For example, the Dolphins, um, Mike Jazicki, who's one of these guys we'll talk about and how he's emerged, Uh, he's actually a free agent next year. So Hunter Long could be the starter as soon as next year, if that's possible. We'll also talk a little bit about Trey McKinney, same thing. Jared Cook's on a one-year deal. And we know uh, Joe Lombardi's offenses have been very good uh, from New Orleans between Jimmy Graham, even Jared Cook, even Ben Watson had a tight end one season. So that's a very interesting spot. And then Tommy Tremble, you know, last year the Panthers were top 10 in routes for tight ends, but they didn't have any production because Ian Thomas just wasn't in, I guess. So the routes are there for him to produce maybe in the future, but Tommy Tremble right now, I don't think he's on anybody's radar. In Dynasty, though, I think these three guys could be something worth noting. But uh, so far, I just think really, when I'm looking at this data, it tells me that from a dynasty perspective, I think outside of Kyle Pitts, I'm not excited to go out and draft anybody, but is there anybody that I haven't talked about, Sky, or is there anybody I have talked about that kind of piques your interest?
1: I really liked Brevin Jordan um, coming out, but I mean, again, it's just like an athletic thing. Uh, unfortunately, you have a, a lot of athletic tight ends that yeah. come out and they just hit the wrong spot or they they get, they can't catch the ball or whatever it is. And another big thing is like again, if they can't, if they can't block, it's going to be trouble. Um uh, let's not forget, you know, Eric Ebron was drafted in the first round with the Lions many years ago and didn't really blossom until he went to Indianapolis, right? I mean he was considered a, a tight end bust and he went to Indianapolis they utilized him. Sure enough he had a career year um and then some 13 receiving touchdowns I believe that season yeah. which led the NFL in receiving touchdowns. So very impressive. No, I mean you hit the nail on the head. I mean Pitts is Pitts. You know, I was surprised. I just told you before we went on here that Pitts is already ranked in this year's Pro Football Focus. So again, this isn't fantasy football. Pro Football Focus is like the NFL players as players, statistically and and athletically and analytically and everything. He's already number 4 for Pro Football Focus. In fantasy football, he's Pretty much in the four or five range as well with Julio Jones leaving Atlanta. And as you mentioned, just to piggyback on Arthur Smith here, really quick. Um, that is a great team up as well because it's a tight end friendly coach, tight end friendly quarterback. The you know, one of the best wide receivers in the entire NFL for the last decade is no longer on the team. And Calvin Ridley's very good, but he's not necessarily Julio Jones, and he's gonna need some help somewhere else. Um, Tony Gonzalez, Austin Hooper, Hayden Hurst, some of the tight ends that have gone through with Matt Ryan in Atlanta. And then, of course, you had Delaney Walker, who played very well for Tennessee, Johnny yeah. Smith in spurts. Your boy, Furkser had a couple of good games last year um, under uh, under Arthur Smith, too. So that tandem, coupled with the ability of, of Kyle Pitts as an athlete himself, he had no drops last year in eight games, Zero zero drops last year in eight games in college. And, in two thousand and nineteen, he had only four drops on eighty targets. So the kid can catch the ball. That's the biggest thing. He's a freak athlete. We know that. And coupled with you have the um, coupled with the uh, ability to have all that target share as well in Atlanta that's freed up.
0: You know what the thing is so I, I, and I kind of jumped around a little bit when I was breaking this all down. I wanted to talk a little bit about the other tight ends because I know Kyle Pitts is the fix. It's gonna be all really, the guy we should be talking about is Kyle Pitts. But before I even do that, so one of the things I want to touch on too is the benchmark of eight points per game because that shows a little bit more of the elite talents. Now, the one thing I will tell you right off the bat is the – remember we touched on the tight end hit rate was 75% for 6.5. It drops all the way to 13% when you bump it to eight. And the main reason why is a lot of good young tight ends still are giving time to develop. This is going to kind of lead us into the discussion that we're going to talk about second- and third-year tight ends – because when I was looking at the data, guys like Noah Fant, Dallas Goddard, TJ Hawkinson, who we all believe in, who are all tight end ones, are not even at eight points per game yet for their career because of the fact they have they had such bad, not bad, but low points per game their rookie season. So that's another thing that this 13%, even if it goes up by two more people, it jumps to 38% uh, percent for first round hit rate to get eight points per game for their career. So it, between Noah Fant, Uh, T.J. Hawkinson, Dallas Goddard, even O.J. Howard to an extent who's on this list could have a big year and these guys can make that jump and we'll see those numbers skyrocket but the rest of the the elite guys it's all basically one-offs I mean George Kittle is a fifth round pick Darren Waller was a sixth round pick Darren Waller was listed as a wide receiver on pro football reference in their data when I was going through I caught it somehow because I remember just being like where's Darren Waller It was a wide receiver. I had to go in and manually put him into tight ends. That's how ridiculous it was. He was a sixth-round pick back in the day. So these guys are just one-offs. So this is another thing that I like to talk about all the time, day three picks. I know we get excited, um, the landing spot, yada, yada. But, man, for these guys to become elite, I mean, we're talking about one out of 24 for fourth-rounders, one out of 19 for fifth-rounders. So when you're in dynasty drafts, that's why I only in my article only wrote about the guys through the third round because it's – not great. And it's not even worth your time. So that's why I talk a little bit about guys who are free agents in 2022 who have big time draft capital, because we'll touch on in a second that a lot of guys don't take off maybe until their fourth year in the NFL.
1: You're on mute, brother. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I got my, my, uh, appreciate that. My pup is, pup's going <sighs> ham in the background here. Um, life these days. So I want to mention one more name here. Um, deeper a deeper name not interested in redraft um however in dynasty he's definitely free and worth a pick i this is one of these names in the fifth round of dynasty drafts you're like uh, i don't even know who these guys are take a look at kenny yeboa tight end undrafted free agent for the jets you and i both and the whole fantasy community wants chris herndon to be something
0: yeah he hasn't been yet I like, this. Yeah. I like this
1: conversation. Chris Herndon <laughs> hasn't been something yet in a consistency. Now, that's either the Jets, that's either Sam Darnold, that's Adam Gase, that's injuries to Chris Herndon, whatever it is. It doesn't matter. It hasn't happened. I believe in Chris Herndon, and I do think that with a fresh start, a new coaching staff that loves the tight end, i.e. George Kittle the last few years, um, and you have Zach Wilson coming in in a whole new regime. So maybe Chris Herndon can make it happen. If he doesn't, or in the next couple of years, if Chris Herndon moves on, Kenny Uboa is a fifth-year senior coming out of Ole Miss and played four years at Temple under Matt Rule. We know what his offenses are like. Moved to Ole Miss to play with Lane Kiffin. Went 50 for 1,010. Excellent uh, season, obviously. And just a, an awesome athlete. And a big thing I always try to remember with tight ends and rookie tight ends is they're not only young football-wise in the NFL, but they're young – uh, you know, personally, right. They're 21 years old, 22 years old. It's hard to learn the offenses, the schemes, the blocking schemes, the route yeah. trees, the whole thing. When you get a little bit older, you get these tight ends that start to break out when they're 25, 26, 27 at every other position. Oh, I shouldn't say every at running back and wide receiver 27, 28 becomes pretty old quickly at quarterback. You start hitting your prime at tight end you can start hitting your prime as well. So again, way deeper name, but just somebody to keep on your radar. If you're in like the fifth round of a dynasty league worth kind of a stash here, taxi squad for sure. Kenny Aboa really impressed me coming in and he is going to come into the NFL a year older than most and more experienced also, he's not going to play right away, so we'll have that experience to play behind Chris Herndon, and we'll see what happens with the Jets in a couple of years. So, again, kind of off-the-wall name there, but somebody I really like pre-draft, and I think lands in a good spot for future. We'll just see what happens this year.
0: You know what? So this is the thing about Chris, Chris Herndon is one of my – I have a soft spot. Yeah, Chris yeah, so, so this is the thing. Last last three games of last year, last three games, He for, remember he got in trouble early on in the season. He had like that DUI or something. And Adam Gase is Adam Gase, so he's like the worst human ever when it comes to coaching. So but the last three, yeah, exactly. Like the last three games of that year, of last season, he had you know four targets in two of them, nine in the last game. He had two touchdowns in those games. He also had four, uh, three for forty-eight, four for thirty-four, and seven for sixty-three. So he started seeing a little bit, but it's the Shanahan scheme that I just like. We Robert Tanyan last year. Like I drafted Jay Sternberger. In all of my uh, in like the last pick of all my drafts, which sounds terrible. But the thought process was Packers tight end and it ended up being Robert Tanyan. The point is, it's the scheme that Matt LaFleur and Shanahan all put together. We talked about this over and over again. Chris Cooley, Owen Daniels. You know, you go back to the days, man. These guys are constantly good. Oh, yeah. And George Kittle. Um, It's just Chris Herndon. Is someone you? If you gotta like, just go on Google and just Google Jets minicamp news, Chris Herndon, and see if he's starting to get buzz. Because I'm doing that because it's the tight, it's the the usage of the tight end in that chain. And you know best because of the 49ers. So it's just um, that's why I'm excited for him. But forget about Chris. Let's talk about Kyle Pitts. I think my biggest thing with Kyle Pitts is now he's gonna he's already in the top 50. He's going at the four or five turn. So if you really want him, you need to take him at the four or five turn as the tight end four. Now, one of the things I constantly say to myself is tight end is very unique, very similar a little bit to quarterback as these onesie positions. Because, for example, if you draft the RB5, might go three picks before the RB8. Like that kind of example. Like the RB3, 5, and 8 are so close together. Same thing for wide receivers. You're probably drafting the wide receiver 4 and 7 within the same round. That is not the case with tight ends. So, for example, if you're drafting at the 4-5 turn and you take Kyle Pitts – You technically can get, I would say, consensus Dallas Goddard, right, is probably the number seven tight end after the big six with Hawkinson and Mark Andrews, et cetera. You can get Hawkinson easily three rounds later, and you could fill up all your receiver and running back and flex spots. So the biggest thing for me when you're drafting Kyle Pitts is you have to understand how deep your league is, how many starter spots you have. If it's shallow, for example, if you spend a fifth-round pick on Kyle Pitts or or a late fourth-round pick on Kyle Pitts, you're passing up – top 20 wide receivers in that range. And then if you can – but if, then you can wait three rounds. You could take Dallas Goddard in the seventh round pretty consistently in every draft. So you could fill up your three, two running backs, three receivers, and a flex, and then take your tight end. So that's the one thing with a Kyle Pitts that I want everyone to think about. You're not drafting Kyle Pitts um, versus Dallas Goddard. It's Dallas Goddard and the wide receiver 32 versus Kyle Pitts and the wide receiver 20. And if, if you have a passionate feeling about a guy in that range, a wide receiver who's being drafted at 20, and you think he could be top 11, you're making the wrong pick. Because a top 11 receiver in Dallas Goddard is a lot better than Kyle Pitts, who, listen, I think he's going to be the best tight end of all time for rookies. I think he probably gets you Mark Andrews' numbers last year, about 10 mm-hmm. points per game. That's better than – Evan Ingram was the best in, this, in the modern era, and he was at 9.4 points per game in half-point PPR. So I'm giving him a boost to 10, and Ingram was just volume. He wasn't even good. He got like 120-plus targets because they didn't have anybody. Odell got hurt that year. They didn't have a lot of weapons other than Evan Ingram, so they were just forcing him targets. So, listen, I think I think Kyle Pitts is going to be good, but just keep that in mind. But I guess that's kind of my thoughts on Kyle Pitts. It's not just Kyle Pitts versus another tight end. It's just when you know you're, he's not going to be at his peak at year one, what do you what do you think his upside can be for points per game? Do you think you get to that 12-13? What's your thoughts?
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. And again, it's just gonna be it's gonna be the opportunity. Um, I think he will have I mean, just a random stat line. I'm gonna say he's gonna have six targets per game, I think floor, six targets per game, yeah. four receptions, floor uh 40 to 50 yards floor (laughs) and potentially you know half a touchdown a week I mean just like on the averages you know I think I think that's the floor of 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 pits and if he can get closer to like 770 and you know three quarters of a touchdown on average he's going to be just fine I think I think we're in for we're in for a big season and again we get excited about the number one tight end off the board every year, right? It was, it was Hawkinson, it was Fant, you know, it was Cole Komet. I mean, we get excited about these guys, but it just becomes like the opportunity. Do they land on a team with another tight end in front of them? They're just going to be in trouble. It's not going to happen right away. Kyle Pitts could not have a better situation for him right now with everything we've been mentioning. Again, Arthur Smith is a tight ends coach. Matt Ryan likes the tight ends as a quarterback. He has for two decades. And you also have opportunity with Julio Jones leaving, and you have the skill set of Kyle Pitts himself, who could frankly be a slot receiver if they wanted that to happen and they move somebody else on the outside. So, yeah, I mean, the only thing that's going to hold back Kyle Pitts would be an unforeseen injury. Um, Other than that, he should far and away be the best rookie tight end, obviously. And it really just comes down to how everyone else does. But for him to finish top five, I think would not surprise anybody.
0: Yeah. I just think if you look at underdog fantasy and you're looking at like this or ADP and where you have to take Kyle Pitts and listen, Kyle Pitts is building momentum. Like he's right now at top 50 pick and he could easily creep into the fourth, uh, the fourth round. But it's really, I just, when I view that, I'm like, okay, you're taking him over Cooper cup. You're taking him over Tyler Lockett, which I just posted about Tyler Lockett. I think it's the most, it's the funniest thing in the world is that everybody says Tyler Lockett's inconsistent. He had an inconsistent 2020, but if you look at 2019 and 2018, he was like top 15 in consistency. So, but that's neither the here or there. But you're passing on Adam Thielen, those kind of receivers. And, you know, if you want a running back, for example, you'd have to pass on like Mike Davis, maybe Josh Jacobs. But it's it's not so much who you're passing on there, but it's the guy you could replace him with, right? So we talked a little bit about Goddard. And where you can get him, he's going 82 in underdog. And now you're talking about James Robinson, Michael Gallup, Damian Harris, Curtis Samuel, Michael Carter. So mm-hmm. those are the types of players you can get. You're going to have to. So like it's essentially just saying Kyle Pitts and James Robinson or Mike Davis and Dallas Goddard. Like what would you, if you, right now if that was your choice, who would you pick?
1: Um, tell me him again.
0: James Robinson or Michael Carter. And Kyle Pitts, or you can have Dallas Goddard and
1: Mike Davis. Oh God. <laughs> redraft, I might just go redraft. Davis. Redraft, I'll probably just go Davis and Goddard. Frankly, and
0: that's kind of and that's kind of the mindset you have to take. So that's all I would advise. I I think Kyle Pitts is going to be probably the fourth or fifth best tight end. I'm not saying that's the the thing. I'm what I'm saying though is he gonna take is he gonna get you that 12, 13 points per game to make him a true outlier. Because most guys, if you look last year, there's about there's a bunch of tight ends that are bunched in that eight to nine point range. You know, you got you got guys like TJ Hawkinson, Jazicki, Logan Thomas, John Smith, Dallas Goddard, Noah Fant. Like basically tight end six to tight end 14 is between eight and nine points per game last year. And if we take out CJ Uzama, which I wouldn't because he was dominant in those two games, <laughs> I'm just kidding, <laughs> you know, it's, it goes up to tight end six. So the point is, like, the middle of the pack, if he's getting you 10 points per game, you're only getting about a point and a half advantage on those type of players. But on the I, but if he could get you to that George Kittle, Darren Waller, which I think he will in two to three years, I'm not doubting that at all. That's why I think – I've been saying this forever. I think he's my 101 in, in, in Dynasty, maybe other than Chase. Yeah. I'm kind of a big Chase guy too, but he's my top two pick even before the running back. So, but that's neither here here or there. I guess, do you have any other thoughts on Kyle Pitts? Anything else before I jump into year two and year three stuff?
1: No, no, I'm absolutely excited about Kyle Pitts. Um, I think he will be as advertised. Again, I'm just excited to see how the Falcons use him. Um, But he's going to be fantastic. And again, if he stays healthy, I think he's going to be great. There's a lot of talk out of camp already that he's meshing with Matt Ryan, well, he's meshing with Arthur Smith. He knows Arthur Smith is a tight ends coach. He's excited yeah. about that. Like I said, you know, a big thing that's plagued uh, Evan Ingram, along with his injuries, unfortunately, which you just can't predict from anybody. But he's had the drops, man. He just, like, he's wide open, dropping balls, and then all of a sudden the quarterback's thinking, eh, maybe I'll go somewhere else. Kyle Pitts, like I said, he's dropped f- – not even dropped – four passes in two since in 20 games in college – drop four balls. So I love that for the, for the reliability as well in, a, in this offense, but yeah, let's move. Let's uh, shift off or to um, All right. second year title. So, so what I did is I just, I took a block of players
0: over the last couple of years and this is kind of give us a better understanding year one, year two, year three. Some of the guys in the sample are Mike Jazicki, Dallas Goddard, Mark Andrews, OJ Howard. So George Kittle, Johnny Smith, relatively younger guys, um, and I just wanted to take a look. I did go back to 2016. I got guys like Hunter Henry and Austin Hooper in this. But I tried to find guys that have actually become fantasy relevant. And I just took a look at their production year one, year two, year three and year four. Um, and I averaged it all out. So year one for those kind of players. And, you know, I could send a full I could tweet out a full list if needed. But year one is four. they average four point seven, eight points per game. We're talking about some notable names in the last five years of drafts 4.78 points per game their rookie seasons. So that's that's the hurdle that Kyle Pitts needs to jump now. Like I touched on earlier, you know, Evan Ingram had that 9.4 points per game year one, but for the most part, these guys are under five points. And when you get to the elite guys like George Kittle, they're only at five and change. But when you see that jump, so year two it jumps to 8.4. Year three, it stays largely the same at 8.3. And then that fourth year, it jumps to 10 points per game. So right there, it shows me that there's some, there's there's guys that in their second year, third year in the league that could still make some jumps overall. There's guys that usually do it year two. You typically see that big jump in the second season. We saw it with Mark Andrews, Mike Jazicki, George Kittle. We saw it last year with TJ Hawkinson. Even guys like Noah Fant made a little bit of a jump in their second year, so there is a lot of optimism for guys in in currently today who are going completely un- underdrafted. And the guys that stick out to me are Cole Kament and Adam Troutman. Now, <laughs> there's guys like Devin. Like you know, the Patriots spent two third round picks last year's on tight ends, and then they go get John R. Smith and Hunter Henry the next year. So clearly, they had a thought in mind about what they want to do with their offense. So a two tight end set. And then they just said, these guys aren't developing. We're throwing them away. We're going with the veterans. So for me, when I was looking at the numbers and the guys that are drafted last year, they're stepping into some major roles. And Colcombe to me is somebody that I'm going to be watching. Jimmy Graham, I'm. it sounds like he's staying, which is disappointing. But Colcombe became a full-time starter last year. He was playing about 85% of the snaps. Um, he started getting a big boost in targets. He's about five targets a game down the stretch last year versus barely, barely playing in the first half. But we have seen consistent year over year a tight end. And I talked about this when we first our first podcast together, Sky, was a tight end preview. I talked about TJ Hawkinson. Now, TJ Hawkinson's second year, but it was Daryl Bevel, it was the offense. One of the things I've learned, offenses really matter for tight ends because tight end usage is kind of they they scheme them into the offense more than a lot of coordinators do. There's just a lot – there's a bigger need when it comes to routes, when it comes to being a first read. I mean, look what the West Coast offense has really done. Like when you talk about guys like um, Kyle Shanahan and they're using him, Darren Waller with John Gruden, you know, those guys were really fixated in first reads on their offenses. So I think I think when you talk about Matt Nagy, where he comes from, Andy Reid equals Travis Kelsey, equals Brent Selleck. Remember, Brent Selleck was a stud for oh, years. Yeah. Feeling that helpful. offense is – yeah, exactly, man. That offense has been very keen on producing tight ends, and I think Matt Nagy wants the same thing. They, they tried to bring in Jimmy Graham later in his career, and then they drafted Cole Komet in the second round. But then, of course, Adam Troutman, another guy. This is a, These two guys were completely irrelevant, but like I just touched on, year one, 4.7 points per game, year two, 8.4. Actually, it's technically 8.5. So that's a huge jump. So I guess of the guy, I guess Cole Komet and Adam Troutman only two notable names. But out of those guys, is anybody on your fantasy radar? Uh,
1: um to be honest with you, I might I might take a stab on Adam Troutman above Cole Komet okay. in redraft. Um Cole Komet again is if Jimmy Graham comes back, the reality is Jimmy Graham is gonna be in there and minimum, he's gonna be using the red zone. He's reliable. He caught a bunch of touchdowns. You yeah. said it last year. He ended his season catching a touchdown, right? And rode off into the sunset in the locker room. A lot of people thought he would retire there. Looks like he won't. Adam Troutman, though, is getting he's going to get, I think, the first crack at tight end in New Orleans. And Jared Cook now is in Los Angeles with Herbert and the Chargers. So that is wide open for him. I think that's a great opportunity. And assuming it's Jameis Winston and we'll see what happens if Taysom Hill actually is the quarterback, whatever. If it's Jameis Winston in New Orleans, he was a he he uh, prefers tight ends as well right? He had a lot of success with Cameron Braid. He had a lot of success with OJ Howard quickly before OJ Howard went down the last couple seasons in Tampa Bay as well. So I like that a lot for Adam Troutman. A couple of notes on Troutman really quick. He's just kind of my favorite maybe of this class. Um, first of all, he made the uh, pro football focus all rookie team last season, and he only caught five passes for fewer than 500 yards, but he was able to you know, show the athleticism, show the statistic and analytical qualities that they take on. So he made the all rookie team at tight end. Adam Troutman did. Also, he was the top tight end in their run blocking grade metric at 87.1. And that's huge. And again, for fantasy football conversation, we literally don't care (laughs) if he's a good blocker. I don't care if he's a blocker in fantasy football, but I'll tell you who does. Everybody else in the world of the NFL, the coach, the quarterback, the offensive line, he is going to be on the field more often if he can block. What makes, we've been saying this forever, what makes Rob Gronkowski the best ever is because he's also possibly the best blocking tight end, not to mention what he does with the ball in his hands. Travis Kelsey, George Kittle is basically a, a, a more athletic offensive tackle when they run the ball in San Francisco. Mark Andrews is a very good uh, pass blocker as well. Zach Ertz as well. And then you get these guys on the field constantly. Then they audible out of run plays. They throw more passes. These are the guys that are on the field. So you do have your pass catching specialists, Evan Ingram, David Njoku, some of these guys who are more athletic, less about the blocking. But when you have a kid like Adam Troutman who can block so well and he's getting these lead reps as the number one guy, I'm super bullish on him. I like uh, Cole Komet a lot. And probably starting next year, he'll be on my upper radar. But if Jimmy Graham's around, Jimmy Graham's around. That's the reality. And we still don't know what's going on in the quarter of Chicago. I like the New Orleans offense. I like Adam Troutman in general. Regardless of quarterback, I think it's going to work. And if it's Jameis, I think it's going to be the number two option outside of a Michael Thomas slash Alvin Kamara for the Saints. So I like uh, Adam Troutman over a Cole commit currently. How about yourself?
0: You know, I I'm going to cop out here. I, I truly, I'm, I, I want to, this is this kind of stuff I listen to. Uh, those those guys are on my radar to watch, and I don't have a favorite yet. I don't really care who emerges. I'm going to watch and listen. Those are two of the guys I'm Googling constantly just to see if there's any camp reports about them. Um, but I will tell you this, Cole Komet, really, he passed Jimmy Graham in snaps last year over the last yeah. few weeks. He started getting consistent targets, and he's got much better tra- draft pedigree. He was an early second-round pick versus Adam Troutman was like a, a uh, compensatory pick in the back of the third. So I, I just think from that standpoint, I lean Cole comment because I saw it, but I totally get it. Jimmy Graham's not going anywhere, and he was a four still in the red zone last year. So I do understand the hesitation there. So if, for example, one of those two guys doesn't tickle your fancy, I think the 3rd your guys are ones that we can – obviously T.J. Hawkinson emerged as a true elite guy last year. On a points-per-game basis, he was still – in that lower tier, about eight and a half points per game, but he was on the field for 16 and you can rely on him and that's great. Um, But he definitely with all those vacated targets with Anthony Lynn becoming the OC. The one thing I did say earlier is that Hunter Henry was used more in the slot. So that could be good news if he's playing a little bit more in the slot now kicking out like Hunter Henry did last year under Anthony Lynn. Irv Smith is probably the dark horse of the group. Um, in the sense that he's getting some buzz because of Kyle Rudolph's departure. I do believe he's going to split work with Tyler Conklin. We've already heard the Vikings come out and say that's true. Um, but at the same time, Ty, uh, you can't ignore the fact that Irv Smith became the red zone threat that Kyle Rudolph was earlier in the season. He scored three touchdowns in the final four games without Rudolph. So he could easily become this. The problem is he's not. if he doesn't get a touchdown, he might kill you. But at the same time, I believe it could be this year's Johnny Smith where he splits work, but he still finishes as a low tight end one. I'm personally not drafting guys like that because, you know, I just, they don't win you leagues. It's going to be low end tight end one value. I want to look for upside. The final guy in the year three, and I just before I kick it over to you about those guys is your sample. Now sample did see an uptick in targets last year, um, mostly because of the injury to CJ Uzama. But at the same time, with Joe Burrow running the show in a pass-heavy offense with a defense, probably not going to be good this year. All the all the look is on uh, guys like you know Tyler Boyd, but this could easily become the Dallas Cowboys from last year. High volume, better offense. And then we saw Dalton Schultz last year finish as a low tight end one. So you could see even Drew Sample potentially be a low-end tight end one this year. What are your thoughts?
1: I like the Drew Sample pick, actually. Um, again, for anybody who's like, who the hell is Drew Sample? Uh, <laughs> tight end for the tight end for the Bengals. Now, of course, the the biggest issue with Drew Sample is that there's just four other mouths to feed ahead of yeah. him in the pecking order, and Drew or uh, Joe Burrow, who is coming back after his gnarly leg injury, who only played half a season last year. So, we'll see what happens with him. He's more of a dynasty looking stash. Irv Smith, unfortunately, Bobby, to your point, with the Vikings coming out and saying basically that they don't intend for his role to change, A makes no sense. B, what the hell? <laughs> like, why would you do that? You know, well, like like Conklin, Conklin played well, and he might be the new Kyle Rudolph, and, and Irv Smith will take a step knowing the offense, getting more targets, and those kind of things, but not featuring him. I think is a mistake as just the more athletic option in this offense and a third bona fide weapon outside of Jefferson and Thielen.
0: Well, the thing is, so this, the, the offense itself did not, they did not change it. Even when Rudolph went down, Conklin just slid right in. But what I'm trying to say is that it became Kyle Rudolph was the main red zone guy because he was the established veteran. They gave him that it, Irv Smith took that role. Now Irv Smith, like in the final four games, they split targets evenly. Actually, Tyler Conklin had 21 targets to Irv Smith's 20 the last four weeks. Production wasn't that much different, but the difference was tight end touchdown. It was the touchdowns. He got three in four games, yeah. and he got all those looks. He basically took Kyle Rudolph's looks. So I'm not expecting him. He only had 183 yards in four games. You extrapolate that for 16. You're looking at probably a solid like 700 yards or so, whatever that is, um, which is which is great, and plus with those touchdowns, you know, it could be a thing. I just – with the with the Vikings getting better on defense, they had an outlier year last year, which led them to throw a little bit more. I expect the defense to be better, which means they could probably go back to a more conservative approach on offense. Um, I just don't know if Irv Smith and Tyler Conklin – I think it's very similar to John Smith and Anthony Firkster, where Firkster still had 45% of the tight end targets last year, and as a whole, that tight end production's elite. But because you have two people splitting the pie – you only get a low end tight end
1: one out of it. All right. Um, Irv Smith did raise his pro football focus grade from 62 to 75 and a half. Again, significant jump. And let's go to uh let's see who is he? Oh um Hawkinson here. And Hawkinson also raised his grade from a rookie uh to a rookie grade of yep high sixties as well uh 60 and a half to about 75 and a half. So really According to Pro Football Focus, TJ Hawkins and Irv Smith actually had identical grades as rookies and as sophomores, which is interesting. Noah Fant um, could also I be did. in this conversation as well. And we'll see what happens with him because is it Drew Locke? Is it Teddy? If it's either one of them, obviously Drew Locke and, and Noah Fant were teammates. So they have, yeah. or, um, I'm sorry, uh, Albert O is also in the mix as well there. Cortland Sutton's coming back. You know, another year of Jerry Judy bouncing back. Are they going to look at the run game a little bit more? They have the rookie Javonta Williams, who you and I both love as well. So, a little bit it's, of confusion here. And and uh, while after you wrap up, I'm going to give you a couple ADP decisions here at tight end.
0: Yeah, the thing with Noah Fant is that you know you got Cortland Sutton coming back, and Jerry Judy's there, and KJ Hamler was a hype draft pick last year as well. So it's just tough to see where the, all that volumes come from. Pat Shermer is a little bit more pass heavy. Um, But same time, he's not, he hasn't really produced. Evan Ingram was okay under Pat Shermer. And if you keep going back further and further, when he was like the OC for Minnesota, the one thing that's encouraging about Pat Shermer, his one, that one year he kind of split was he did feature Kyle Rudolph for 130 targets the year that he kind of took over as OC for North Turner. So it's not, it wouldn't be outside the realm, but also like I touched on, he's one of those other guys that got to the eight points per game. And, My thing is you kind of see a little bit of a stagnant uh, increase in year two to year three where guys kind of plateau at year two then they stay consistent and then they take another step up year four. So maybe Noah Fant this year, maybe with the Teddy Bridgewater playing quarterback and with the competition for targets, I think Fant's going to be fine. I think he's a top 10 tight end. But at the same time, do you think he can take the next step to like a tight end, average 10 points per game? I don't know if that's going to be the case this year, but what are your thoughts? you think Noah Fant could finally take the next step, get you to double digits, be a top five tight end? Uh,
1: With consistency, I don't. Just because, again, we don't know what's going on at quarterback. And I do think the offense is going to run, if not through the run game, it's going to run through Jerry Judy and Cortland Sutton. Noah Fant, I think, should significantly outpace Albert O with opportunity. Um, But Albert O is still there. And if it's if it's Drew Locke, they have they have the pedigree from from college. Uh, Bobby, so, anything else? Anything else uh, to add here before I give you some ADP? Talk, to yeah, this.
0: let's talk to your four tight ends real quick because I think Dallas. It's got Jazicki, Mark Andrews, Dallas Goddard, Hayden Hurst. Obviously, Hayden Hurst, I think, someone that has fallen completely off the radar. But you can make an argument he could become the third target behind Pitts.
1: First round pick,
0: and, yeah, Calvin Ridley, yeah. He's also going to be a free agent next year. He could be gone. He can go to another team. He's proven enough over the last two years or so that he could play in the NFL. Um, my boy Chris Herndon, year four. Um, that's someone to monitor. But let's be real. Let's talk about the main guys. Mike Jazicki, Obviously, his circumstance with Tua, but all the weapons now. That offense is not pass heavy enough. I'm just not seeing him. He's not been. He's more been a volume based. His yards per route run and has been not great. Um, but Mark Andrews and Dallas Goddard here. Mark Andrews is someone I find interesting because he did, he did have that year two jump and plateaued at year three, but now I'm starting to think, okay, what, can he make another jump back up into the, you know, make, can he take another step in year four? And Dallas Goddard is like the the poster boy for this analysis. He had no impact year one, and then he got up to eight points in year two and year three. And then based on the numbers on average, he easily jumped to 10, especially if Zach Ertz has gone so of these year four guys, is anybody you'll be targeting? Is Dallas Goddard your top seven? Or are you even higher on Dallas Goddard?
1: Dallas Goddard's the man. Dallas Goddard's got to be the man. Um, again, according to Pro Football Focus, Dallas Goddard is the only tight end in the NFL with receiving and run-blocking grades of 80 or higher since 2018. Receiving and run-blocking grades of 80 or higher, highest in Pro Football Focus since 2018. And he also is seventh in receiving grade and first in run blocking grade over the three-year span. So Dallas Goddard, I think, is going to have the opportunity. Again, Zach Ertz will most likely be gone. They don't have a lot of options. Dude, again, with tight end, it it comes down to are they the focal point of the offense? If not, how many other mouths are there to feed in the offense? And I do believe that Dallas Goddard is going to be that guy outside of – you know. Uh, Jalen Reger, we'll see what happens. Devontae Smith, we'll see what happens. Um, I like Dallas Goddard a lot. So one of the things I was looking at, and this is Dallas Goddard,
0: I w- I have literally gone here to there to back up here on Dallas Goddard. I'm all over the place with this guy. Originally, I'm thinking, oh, man, he's going to be so good because the offense, um, I love I love Nick Sirianni. He comes over, brings a bo- he loves tight ends. Great. Zach Ertz, he's going to leave. And then I look at the stats under – Jalen Hurts, and he had, you know, 120 yards in three games Yeah, that he played with him. So I was like, oh, that's not good. Then I realized that it's because Zach Ertz had 21 targets, 10 receptions, 126 yards. If you combine them two together, he goes to 246 and 21 receptions in four games. And got her only it's just like you don't realize that Zach Ertz leaves – There is going to be just a huge vacuum of targets in this offense for him. Um, And the offense is conducive. Nick Sirianni, I'm all in. That's why I talked a little bit earlier about Dallas Goddard. He's literally going, you know, three, four rounds later than Kyle Pitts. You can go get a premium top 20 receiver and pair him with Dallas Goddard versus drafting a guy like Michael Gallup right when you could draft Dallas Goddard. So I just think that Dallas Goddard definitely gives you that advantage. I don't know if I'm ready to put him in the top six yet over guys like Hawkinson and Andrews, but are you willing to take him over Andrews Hawkinson Pitts,
1: in a vacuum? Of course, not by ADP. Um, no. And I don't know why, because I'm, I think I'm like the most excited about Dallas Goddard and his potential, but I guess it's just because we haven't seen Dallas Goddard as the number one guy. I've seen what yeah. Hawkinson can do when he's the number one in peppered. I love Mark Andrews. Mark Andrews, is one of my favorite tight ends in the NFL. And the lowest throwing offense in the NFL. I mean, if he was on a team yeah. that threw the ball even a hundred more times a season, Mark Andrews is probably number two or three, not number four or five every year. Um, no, I, quick note on Mike Kosicki, because I love the player. I'm not excited necessarily about his situation currently. Um, one thing is great. He's the only in. A, he's the only player in the NFL. The only tight end. Excuse me. The only tight end in the NFL with over 500 routes run from the slot in the last two years. So that's awesome, right? They move them out of this, out of um, the inline and they play the slot. Okay, that's great. The issue is they bring in Will Fuller. They bring in Jalen Waddell. They drafted Hunter Long, who nobody's talking about because he's the backup out of Boston College. Nobody cares about him. But He's super athletic. He had the largest wingspan in the draft class. When we did our rookie tight end episode, I had like a four-minute rant on how much I love Hunter Long and nobody's paying attention to him. Yeah, He, 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 dra- he, he uh, produced very well at the Combine, um, or Pro Day, I should say, this year. Hunter Long is going to be sneaky. He's a guy that like they need to get on the field. He's a weapon. They didn't just draft a tight end to block so that Mike Kosicki can run routes. Hunter Long is going to run routes as well. And so I like Mike Kosicki a lot. I think he's going to be fine. And I think if you were if he was drafted, ADP for him I think is my issue. He's going too high for me. But if he was the guy that you drafted in like the 12th round as your dart through tight end, I think there's a lot of upside potentially. Uh, but I would rather have any of the six, seven tight ends we've talked about so far or some of the guys you and I have talked about, some of the deeper guys, maybe a first yeah. maybe Gerald Everett even Gronk wow. for the first three weeks and see what happens. I mean, they're free, you know, no.
0: Tyler Higby is my,
1: T- there you go. Forget about it. Yeah. that
0: We're different podcasts, but for just to say, <laughs> I, I freaking love that guy. I'm, I'm all in on him, but yeah, I think this is kind of just the point, right? You just don't give up on guys because there's definitely growth um, throughout the first couple seasons. Year one is basically a waste. Cole commit every single year. There's a guy who emerges as a second, second year player, especially over the last four years, there has been a guy. So look out for that. Listen to camp reports. Other guys like Dallas Goddard and Mark Andrews, there's still ability for them to take another step. They are good players, but you don't need to necessarily look at their history and say that's who they are. There's still room for them to grow. So that's why the whole point of today's episode is to talk a little bit about draft capital, to continue to monitor these guys, and they don't really peak until maybe four or five years down the road. So that's just something that's worth noting. And now I'm talking about it, we should probably do an age analysis on tight ends because
1: after doing this, I'm like, should do it. Absolutely. All right. Before we get out of here, let me uh, let me give you um, – I'm going to give you current ADP okay. uh, for the tight ends, and I want you to just kind of give us your thoughts on some of these guys. So according to ADP, and I think this is pretty consistent, let me know if you have any changes. Kelsey, Kittle, Waller, Andrews, Hawkinson, top five tight ends. Make sense? Underdog
0: actually has Hawkinson behind Andrews and Pitts.
1: Okay, so Pitts up in the top five as well. All right. So then you have Noah Fant, Henry, Goddard, um, and Pitts is in that mix as well. We didn't talk about Hunter Henry because he's outside of this age range that we're talking about, but Goddard, Pitts, and and Noah Fant we've talked about a lot as well. Let's go a little bit deeper here in some of these other names we talked about. Mike Kosicki, currently 12th round with the ADP I'm looking at. Uh, You have Irv Smith in the 13th round, your boy Tyler Higby in the 13th round. Ferkser in the 13th round, my boy Adam Troutman in the thir- in the 13th round, Gerald Everett in the 14th, Cole Komet in the 14th. Who of that big group I just mentioned, the 12th, 13th, 14th round, are you legitimately willing to wait on over, uh, let's say, um, Hawkinson down?
0: Okay, so let's just, let's just talk – talk straight here if you're picking today great i understand by august this is all going to be different um i i typically some of it, some of
1: it will a tight end, yeah tight ends don't seem to move very much but well, I, you're I
0: i i'm just gonna you're gonna you, you want to hear some camp reports to understand how these guys are performing i can tell you right now i when i look at late round tight ends and i'm trying to target guys i first look at the offense and i want to know is there history behind the fact that a tight end can produce in this type of offense so guys like adam troutman cole comment we just talked about their offenses are conducive for tight ends. I will watch them all off season and I'm willing to take them. But my favorite pick right now is the, the Tyler Higbee Dallas Goddard range in the eight, 80s eighties. Cause they're both going right by an underdog fantasy ADP 82nd, 88. That's, that's basically round eight for 12 team leagues. So that to me is where I want to pick those guys. I feel very high on. I think they could take huge steps, um, especially with Matthew Stafford coming in. We saw what Higby did without Gerald Everett down the stretch. You got to throw out 2020. We all knew. We even talked about this. Gerald Everett paired with Tyler Higby. They split work dead even 59 targets apiece. You combine their stats together, they would have been the tight end three in fantasy. So please keep that in mind that Tyler Higby's 2020 is not what you should look at. He's probably going to be somewhere in the between 2019 and, but at the same time, I love that. So if I'm going to draft today, I think I'm going to go in the 7th, 8th turn range of drafting one of those two guys. I'm surprised that Higby's gone this fast. Higby was a double-digit round guy for a while, but based on this, I would still draft him over a guy like, for example, if I take Mark Andrews or Kyle Pitts, I have to take them two, maybe even three rounds earlier based on where your draft spot is. So that's the thing. I'm not going to take those guys when I believe that Higby and Goddard at least have the same level of floor as those two players, but offer the same level of upside, especially because of their offenses, the play callers. But from late round guys, yeah, like, I mean, I'm just scrolling through right now. I, Chris, I'm, Chris Herndon, I'm going to be watching. Um, and I just, he's always going to be in the back of my mind because I just know the offense, his talent, the way he did his rookie season, um, you know, another guy that I think is going to be interesting is Mo Alley-Cox um, mm. because of the offense in in for the Colts, because Trey Burton is now gone. Mo Alley-Cox is like some big, giant red zone threat. He's going into, I think, his third year, fourth year. He's another one of those guys that continued to grow last year. But now they didn't re-sign Trey Burton. And plus, Jack Doyle just can't stay healthy. That's one thing. But also, he just hasn't done anything in the last couple years um, so I, I do think Carson Wentz because of his leniency on what tight ends. I know injuries played a factor, but the offense too. I think Mo Ali cox might be a dark horse for someone I'm watching.
1: What about you, man? What do you think about these late round guys? I like him a lot. Another name we haven't talked about at all, and he was the hotness. I believe he was tight end six last year. If I remember off the board, Austin Hooper, Cleveland Browns. Yeah. We haven't mentioned him once. Yeah, no, I'm no. not crazy enthralled with his talent per se. I thought he was awesome coming out of Stanford. Um he was good. He had a couple good good seasons with with Matt Ryan in, in Atlanta, but he had a good stretch at the end last year with Baker Mayfield. But they have Harrison Bryant as well. David and yeah. Joe is still there. Odell's mm-hmm. coming back. They're going to run the ball first. I just think I just want to mention Austin Hooper because last year he was all the rage and people were super hyped on him. And he played well when he played well, but he was injured. And then the Browns run the ball, and yeah, it just didn't work out. And they have two other tight ends.
0: I just, I, this is kind of the point. I think tight end is one of the most important for scheme. Like you have to look at the scheme. Like, listen, Kevin Stefanski came over and listen, that offense the year prior, they split work between Irv and Kyle Rudolph. They were in a low pass volume offense. The writing was on the wall. Plus they went out and drafted Harrison Bryant to pair with, like they had Najoku and Austin Hooper already on the team. They drafted a third tight end to groom because they still want to have two tight ends when Najoku leaves in next year. So that's the kind of stuff that I watch. Evan Ingram is another guy we really haven't talked much about. Evan Ingram has been always been the highest, but he's not a traditional tight end. When you think Jason Garrett, you think Jason Witten. And that's Kyle Rudolph. And I just don't know if Evan Ingram ever is going to fit in this offense, especially with all the weapons they have. So he's just another guy that's slipping down. But one of our dark horse guys, pre-Julio Jones, was Anthony Fergster. Now, listen, Julio Jones – There's a lot of targets to go around for the tights. Julio could take 150, and there's still more opportunities available. And Fergster already has a safe baseline from last year because he was getting about 45% of the tight end targets. If he goes up to about 75%, and he's in that 75, 80 target range, based on his production last year, and he was the main slot guy. So I think Earthy Fergster is still someone you should watch. He's getting buzzed too this offseason, and he could be a late-round flyer as well
1: couple other names, Gerald Everett, now with uh, Seattle. He is the guy there for Russell Wilson. They have wanted to use a tight end for years and years and years, and their tight end gets hurt every single season. Hopefully, Gerald Everett can stay healthy. If they do, I think he's a great weapon that nobody's talking about right now. Blake Jarwin coming off the injury last year with Dalton Schultz. Blake Jarwin now back with Dak. Blake Jarwin was the big late-round hotness for me last year. He is somebody that I'm keeping an eye on. And then – Tampa Bay tight end, (laughs) Gronk, Cameron Brate even, and you have O.J. Howard coming back as well, who I think a lot of people have forgotten about, who just two years ago was number four behind the big three. So don't forget about O.J. Howard, and we know that Tom Brady loves his tight ends, and Gronkowski, for his credit, man, played the full season last year. He was healthy, and at tight end, we know all you need is two catches for 20 yards and a touchdown. You're probably top 10 per week. So a lot of miles to feed in Tampa Bay as well, but don't lose track of – OJ Howard, long term. Well, and know, Gronkowski. If you're if you're tight in the late rounds or something, you need somebody. I know
0: Logan Thomas was my guy last year, and, I, and I, nothing's changed. the situation only got better. I, I understand Curtis Samuel's there. They drafted De'Ami Brown. They brought in Adam, Adam Humphries, but they also brought in Ryan Fitzpatrick. And I know historically Ryan Fitzpatrick has not thrown a lot to his tight ends, but if you just look at the last since 2018, when you have the more recent version of him. Listen, he when he was the starter for the Jets and the Bills, they didn't have a tight end. The Jets didn't have a tight end on the roster who could catch passes, and the best guy that he played with in the Bills was Scott Chandler. Hmm. Then look what he was doing with guys like O.J. Howard, Cameron Brait, and then with the Dolphins with Mike Jiziki, he took a big step in that second year in 2019 with him. So I think Logan Thomas, I think, he's, I think Ryan Fitzpatrick is going to lean away from the running backs and start pumping it downfield more, and that includes Logan Thomas. I like so that. I think he's someone who still can be a top-12 tight end. He's proven it last year and already Curtis Samuels hurt. So if that injury lingers and De'Ami Brown doesn't come in and, and solidify himself, Logan Thomas could be the number two, just like
1: that again. Eric Ebron in Pittsburgh. Don't forget about him. Also, we have the New England tight ends as well, both Hunter Henry and John Smith for a revamp Cam Newton and a, just a much better situation in, in New England there. So don't sleep. On the tight end position in general, Bobby and I will have more for you on the tight ends moving through the summer. Bobby, anything else to add for the Titans before we get out of here? No, Sky. I just appreciate you, man. That's all I got to say. You got it, brother. All right. <laughs> as promised, ladies and gentlemen, I do have to spill the beans. I have a big episode, episode number 400 coming up on Monday. And I wanted to let you all know who our very special guest is going to be. One of my favorite industry people ever. And certainly one of the, um, most direct and influential people that has, uh, I've taken influence from in the fantasy football world. And that's Mike Taglier of the fantasy pros. I've talked about Mike Taglier and his work over the years uh, on this podcast. I've cited him constantly. Bobby and I have talked about his work. I listened to the fantasy pros podcast and the dynasty podcast with Yates pretty much every single day. Mike Taglier brings the heat constantly. If you're unfamiliar with his work somehow, go check him out on fantasy pros. You can follow him and Mike Taglier NFL on Twitter. And you can catch our discussion for about an hour and fifteen minutes on Monday. I'll be dropping that episode. Stay tuned. Look onto our social media and find a couple sneak preview clips I've diced up. You can follow me on Twitter at Sky Guasco, Skyguasco S K Y G U A S C O. Follow Bobby on Twitter as well, Bobby Lamarco. You can find us each on Instagram as well: Fantasy Football underscore TCK Pod for myself, and FFX Factor Fantasy Football X Factor for bobby as well make sure to subscribe right here leave a comment of your least favorite early tight end your favorite breakout tight end in the later rounds and also be sure to please follow us on a podcast leave a rate and review anywhere you are listening have a wonderful weekend and we'll catch you for episode 400 coming up on Monday. It's been an absolute pleasure. Appreciate y'all sticking through it since 2018, 400 episodes in the books. We're going to crush number 400 with my man Tags, and we're going to get moving right on to 500. Have a wonderful weekend, everybody, and let us be the first to wish all of the fathers, the bonus dads, the moms pulling double shifts, whoever it is, a early happy Father's Day. Blessings everybody. Have a safe and wonderful weekend. For my man, Bobby Lamarco, I'm your host, Sky Guasco, and we are out of here.